things are already so unsanitary without me rubbing my mouth. And now, you know, that was, it was pre-COVID times. I did my first line on a pool table. That's kind of cool. Which I was like, but then afterwards I was like, oh, that's kind of a waste because of the fiber. Oh, it's like, was on like the, the carpety, the Yeah, like the straight material. up the... That's fucking dumb. Man. On the, on the, on the, on the turf. That's when you'd hit... <laughs> I mean, if you're hardcore, then you would have licked off the... Yeah. Get well, that's everything. where the gum thing came in. Because I was like, well, I'm going to get some of the... So I like rubbed it up, tried to get it to kick up, and then was like... Somebody's like, you brushing your teeth? But then you still need to go out and just like full on lick it. Yeah. Just hump the table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're doing coke off a pool table anyway. Well, speaking do of, it all. Speaking of doing coke off of pool tables. Yeah. Um, we had a fiasco uh, the first time you were on. Kimberly, oh my God, I'm spacing on your last name. You know my real last name or what I go by? <laughs> what do you go by? Um, on, like on my Facebook or when I'm on stage and stuff, it's Kimberly Ashlyn. Kimberly Ashland. I was going to say Lynn for some reason, and I'm like, that can't, I was close. Kimberly Ashland. Ashland. Although that's, it's my new middle name. I, I changed, mm. when I got divorced, I changed both my middle name and my last name, and my last name is not my maiden name. I love it. And I love it because it's my name now. I mean, I couldn't get rid of Kimberly. I don't like Kimberly. Fuck Kimberly. You know, <laughs> nice to know you, Kim. That's not what I said. Um, no, I, I hate it, but I am way too old to be trying to change my, my first name. My mother tried to change her first name in her 40s, and we're all like, shut up and just stop. Just stop. Was she like, I'm Steve now? No, she was not given a middle name as a child because her mother felt her, her first and last name were just too long. So she has had no middle name, and so her name is Christina, and she changed her name to Maria Christina because she always wanted to be ethnic in some way, and she's always trying to find. It's like, lady, you're white. You're, you're really, you're white. You honky. But she's like, I'm Maria. <laughs> uh, so my mom doesn't have a middle name, oh. and uh, my one of my sister in laws um, was like, why doesn't she have a middle name? And my dad goes, oh, because the extra letters on the birth certificate cost more. So to save oh. money, they didn't put the letters on there. And my sister-in-law was like, oh my God, I didn't know that. I wonder if that was actually really... Was- no, it's a total lie. Oh, it was a lie? Yeah, no, it doesn't affect it at all. Because my, my great-grandmother didn't have a name. They called her Baby until she was seven. And then they allowed her to name herself. And she named herself, wait for it, last name was Sunday, mm-hmm. Lulabelle. Lulabelle Sunday. I mean... What else are you going to name yourself at seven? That's what I should have changed my name to. Shirley Temple was already taken. <laughs> Lulabelle. <laughs> Lulabelle. What a cool name. It's, it's a funny fucking All right. Name. This is fun. <laughs> We're being old people and talking about names. Um, but so, so, so you came on, what was that, like two months ago now? Two or three months ago? I don't even remember anymore. Um, well, actually, yeah, I think it was three months ago now because we've had that cat for about three months. Okay. Yeah. So perfect. Space me with the cat. (laughs) I'm down with that. I didn't realize until we were just about to wrap up that the audio, the, the button must've stuck or something. Cause I look over and I'm like, uh, minute marker hasn't moved at all. And I was like, just stay calm. Don't oh, freak you, out. You knew it while I was there? Oh, funny. <laughs> because I've I've tried to scrounge audio from cameras before, and I was like, maybe maybe I could do it. Okay. This is bad. Okay. Sounded horrible, which sucked because it was such a good conversation. Yeah. 
And so I, I said, well, we're going to do it again. And I purposefully did not listen back because I wanted to like have live reaction as to like some of the stuff. So there's certain things that obviously were so intense that I cannot forget. Okay. But I'll be, I'll be interested to know what those were. Well, I mean, and, it's, it's the you and your mom escaping. Oh Jesus! Okay, that's that one stuck out Pun? Oh. the most. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one. Okay, yeah, that was, um, that was a good one. I remember slightly stuff about your dad being a pastor. Yeah, evangelical Baptist pastor. Evangelical Baptist pastor. But other than that, I tried to scrub it all so all that right. we could all we right. could get the the cool, fresh cool. start. Okay, N- so not originally from Minnesota. No, I was born in Dallas. That's right. Okay, so let's do the migration. Sure, sure. So. Um, you, and I forget, you have siblings? I have two younger brothers. Two younger brothers. Okay. Okay. Some stuff is starting to come back as you say that. Yes. O- only daughter of an evangelical Baptist pastor. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay. Do you know how your dad became a pastor? You know, I have never quite understood why. The, the why there. You know, because he was, he went to college and I believe he was a history professor for a very short time. But then why he, I, I've never really understood why he went to Dallas. He went to um, Baylor, which is, you know, Baylor, Se- Baylor Seminary. Yeah, that has to be it. It was Baylor. Um, and that's where he met my mother. Oh, she was also doing seminary or just in that town? Um, she's, from, she's from Houston and then she was in Dallas. She, okay. was, she was going to Baylor too. Yeah. Ah, it kind of makes sense because when you look back on history, a lot of people become like, how come, you know, this country's lost its way? And and so how do you bring it back? Well, you bring God back in because we're losing the Lord. And by when you were that age, people were about to start snorting a lot of coke yeah. and changing the color of their hair. Because, I, yeah, I was born into the, the, <laughs> you know, I, you know, just the, I mean, I was born in 69. Okay. I was born, in fact, the exact day, time, and year that Woodstock started. We were just talking about that. Oh, by the way, we're at my, my good friend's. Uh, apartment, beautiful, lovely space. Yes. Uh, I'm not doing video because uh, I suck. And I wanted to focus on the audio. Anyways. Right. We're just going to be purist right now. Yes. Um, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I was born in the 70s. Like, the Jesus people movement was just was coming up then. And so, basically, it was like hippies for Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hare Krishna and like... Well, oh, there dude. was the Krishna side, but then there was also people that were... Basically evangelical, but still hippy dippy. Yeah, I was gonna say a like, lot of beans and rice and stuff. But, lot, with, but lot Jesus, of, like cult activity. Oh, there was that too. My parents did say at one point they looked at a Christian commune <laughs> and thank the gods. I don't believe in that didn't happen. Yeah, well, I mean that's the, the funny thing is like they were called communes or community, like these communities of people just trying to live in the middle of nowhere, also evade taxes and like all the yeah. Just pure insanity. Like it's funny to look back now and be like, "Oh my god, what were we? What were they thinking?" Yeah. Um, how did you guys end up in Minnesota? Then being a pastor, you'll find being a pastor's pastor's kid is very similar to being um, an army brat, in that they, they, we generally move a lot. Okay. And with my father, he he wanted I don't want to quite say fame. I don't want to go st- like full Joel Osteen, but he wanted bigger and better. Wanted a bigger church. Wanted mm. more people, and and so we just kept progressing. You know, we moved around Texas, moved to Louisiana. Um, in Louisiana, 
um, you can hear my accent now because I'm <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> in, in Louisiana, um, he we were at a church for four years, and he had a little radio show, and I mean little little. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I, yeah, I probably didn't talk. Yeah, I did, probably didn't talk about that. Tell me more about this radio show. It was just his, it was just his his sermons on the radio. Okay, and I, we were in this little town, Leesville, Leesville, Diseaseville, Leesville. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing one street town. And um, so he had some just, you know, they would just play his sermons on the radio. And um, a, in our church, it was you. It was literally split down the middle. There was the very, very wealthy. There were some senators. There was some ve- very, very wealthy people on one side. And the, they, we were also next to an army base. So the other side was the army. Mm. And you'd, I mean, you, you saw the split straight down the middle. Well, the people, the rich ones that were in politics, it, vote buying was, was known. It was just a known thing. You would go right. to poor communities, throw them all in the truck, give them each a buck or whatever it was. Here's who you're voting for. And vote buying was a known big thing. And so my father, who, male Scorpio, gets, <laughs> he can't control, he went up, did a sermon, and the sermon was basically, vote buying is a sin, and you are sinning. Wow. And the rich side of, of the room, you just saw them like, we are going to kill you. <laughs> and so he started getting death threats for real. Whoa. And he started being very, very scared. Um, he would say he was working on his sermons at night, and he would just, I mean, looking behind his back, freaked out. And then finally, at I believe he would, we were about to move. Um, it was some hot night, had the windows down. He's in his car. The car was already running. And as he's about to, you know, shift it into gear, a gun gets put to his head and said, you're going to stop doing, you know, and he just shifted into drive and flew. And my understanding that was like, I, we might've already had the church in Minnesota at that point, but we, we kind of got out of there. To- <laughs> Dude, that is so gnarly. Wow. Yeah. But being my father, again, male Scorpio, would not back down on it either. <laughs> well, that's interesting because the like the general like what I was trying to recall was like it was it seemed like I'm not trying to paint like a shitty picture, but like oh, more of like a, a self interest when it came to your father and his image. Oh, that too, and, and we were going to a big, a much, 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 much bigger church. So I mean, it's, it's surprising that he would have a hard stance on that voter buying thing because that's almost like a a liberal stance to take on unless he was it was not because of the human rights aspect but more of the no it wasn't human rights <laughs> please no, no it was it, it was everything came down to his ego okay and i think he loved acting superior too mm. oh then yes that makes way more sense yeah. okay because if the majority of your congregation is are wealthy how do you one up them by mm-hmm. saying, well, you're all pieces of shit, so. You bet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so how old were you when you finally got to Minnesota? Um, I was just turning 11. Okay. Man, that's a lot to happen before even getting here. Yeah. <laughs> now, the relationship that you had with your father versus what your brothers had, was there a noticeable difference? It, it was three different experiences. Oh. All, all three of us had completely different experiences. Oh. Me being the only girl, and my father was more than a little bit of, of a misogynist, um, you know, and, and being the pastor's daughter, you're supposed to be subservient, you're supposed to be sweet, you're supposed to be, um, you're supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I was, I was a loudmouth, and I acted up, and, and frankly, I acted like him. <laughs> But you don't want that in a female. Right, right, right. Whereas was, my middle brother was the golden child. Um, he, he was 
adored. He was everything my father wanted. He was tall and thin and was in sports and, and, and good looking. And, and so he's the child he wanted. And then my youngest brother's gay. Mm. Now he has um, made huge achievements. But so our experiences were three very different ones. Yeah. And most of mine was, you know, you are not what I wanted at all. Um, now, when it came to support from mom, I mean, did, did she play that subservient role um, or did she go to bat for you guys when it seemed like you were being treated unfairly? Mm, oh, bless her heart. She tried um, <laughs> as far as the subservient, subservient role. OK, because her family was hugely messed up, um, both her mother and sister um raging um, mental illness issues. When she graduated high school, her father was the only one there because her mother and sister were in the same mental institution. Mm, okay, that, that rings a bell. Yeah, ma- massive amount of um, sexual abuse and just and, and just craziness. Her, you know, her mother would sit there with, with a knife and say, should I do it? You know, And so my mother, when she met my father, she thought, okay, I'm just going to be a nice pastor's wife and have some babies and I'm going to forget everything that happened. Mm. Which you can't, you know. So she she tried to shove it down as long as she could, but she yeah. couldn't. That trauma just hangs out in an addict and then somebody's like, have you seen the, that Casio keyboard? I've been looking for it. Yeah. And then somebody <laughs> opens up the attic and they're like, oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so she tried, but as far as like um, standing up for us... Um, more for my brothers than me. Mm. I th- there was something about me she never liked. Well, I mean, sure. but there's there's also like, I, I hear this a lot, um, especially on the female side of things, is like before we had like a real um, kind of solid base for uh, women's rights and like, you know, you don't have to be stuck in this role. There were a lot of, mothers who were kind of like you're gonna learn you're gonna learn that this is how we're treated and you need to toughen up and so rather than being like you don't have to be treated this way there was a lot of like this is just how it is and I don't think I was told I really wasn't told anything right because they think that you you're gonna learn you're gonna learn it on your own and she started you know as you know as we said you know the trauma comes out and stuff so she started I'm gonna call it acting up I don't like the words acting up but um (laughs) letting it out yeah. She started acting a fool, as they say in the hip hop community. Yeah. She was, um, she had, when we were in Louisiana, she was part of a prison ministry, if you've ever heard of prison fellowship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so she had a, met a ton of um, prisoners who eventually overtook our lives. There was a prison break. Well, I mean, one of them got out, but that's, that's later in the story. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, okay. Um, so in Minnesota, did the, the prison ministry continue? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She got right back into it and was going to Stillwater. No, Stillwater is the women's one. What's the men? What's the men? Is, are men in Stillwater? I swore yeah. it was Stillwater. I was going to say Stillwater uh, okay. does. Okay. Still Stillwater then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's Shakopee Women's Prison, but Stillwater, Stillwater State Penitentiary. Stillwater. Am I making up words? Something like that. Maximum. Yeah. Okay. And he would, yeah, he was a murderer. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a high roller as they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she, she, um, was ministering in quotes, um, a, a guy who was a, a pimp and a murderer. So intense. It was. Um, 
And she helped get him out of, she went before the, some parole board or something and helped get him out and, and, and vouched for him that he's, he's now a good Christian and he's right with the Lord and, and, and we, need to, we need to let him out. So she built really close relationships? Close relationships? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> <laughs> got really, really personally invested. Very personally invested to the point of once she, um, once she divorced my father, and things were already very intense even when she was with my father. Mm. I remember specifically her and I were about to go to a concert, and he, in prison, was mad about it and told her she couldn't. She's still married to my father, but she is crying about him and I remember I was like must have been 14 or 15 I had been 15 and I'm like what the fuck's wrong with you wow this this guy is, is dictating something and you know we, we ended up going to the concert but I mean the, I mean still that yeah that level of control like, yeah yeah, an amazing amount of control. This guy is behind bars and controlling things. And she's married to my father I mean she could could have said fuck off at any moment I mean that's part of like the, the pimp mentality is that sure. whole uh, being able to manipulate people yeah. um, and hold control without having to be physical. Like that's, that's usually where it starts and then it gets physical once they like really have you. Yeah. Um, that's so intense. So when we kind of grazed over it, so um, when, when your mom would have, because would you say that she exhibited like bipolar uh, issues or like would she have really high highs and, and no she, she's she not no not bipolar um, um, there, there are people in my family that do have that but no okay. she, she's not she just I just feel like she never dealt with her shit okay I, I, I don't I don't even know if she gets a full diagnosis of anything I mean the, sure. the rest of us have a long list of them <laughs> um, I, I just feel she never dealt with her shit yeah I, I feel like that's the bottom line well cause I'm curious because with um like abandonment issues um those people tend to trauma bond really quickly with others sure so the whole prison ministry stuff makes sense why she was able to connect with these people because um when you have those intense situations and you're able to relate to somebody and make it seem like i mean i've talked about this before where like with all the the mental health issues that i had even in like my darkest moments, I still could find a, a place where I would be able to give advice to people, even though I'm drowning. I give advice to people and make it seem like I know what I'm doing. Sure. And I think she, she loved feeling needed. And, and because they you know are in prison and many of them had no one else, so they would put all their focus on her. So she was, you know, Bella the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lou Bell of the ball. Little Bell. Lula Bell of the ball. Yeah. So the w- when these things were were happening though, when when she was having uh, flare ups, flare ups. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your your dad's uh, reaction? Like, how w- would he would he tell her to go take a walk or? Um. No. No. I I don't know how much he knew. Oh. I don't know how much, like, you know, that's that scene for the concert and stuff. I don't think he had any idea that half of that was going on. Interesting. So he was so far removed that he didn't even notice her being in distress. His whole thing, I mean, for all of us was, you know, keep up appearances. Sure. You know, it was it was said to me point blank when I was around 13 or so, you know, you don't want your actions to make your dad lose his job and your mom and brothers to be on the streets. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. And I, and mind you, I mean, I won't quite say, you know, people say, oh, you're pastor's daughter. Of course you did all those things and stuff. But I never looked at it I, as acting out or because I really, that's my personality. You know, I'm way far removed from it now. And I'm still one of those people. I want to try everything. I want to do everything. And that's, for me, it was just excitement about life, whether it was, you know, do you want to smoke pot? Yes, I want to smoke pot. Do you want to do this? Yes, I want to do this. I want to do everything. You know, it was just, that's just part of who I am. Well, it's all circumstantial too, because I I think it's more of a reflection on the pastor than it is the kids or the family. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you see pastors who are, genuinely good people and their kids kind of follow suit and want mm-hmm. to be more like their their dad not in the sense of like they're seeking approval yeah but they're like look look what my my father is is able to do and able to help people with whereas on the flip side negligence and ego and all those things so then much. i think the kids that that's that's when it, it it comes out is because they're not getting that nurturing uh, parenting like, like they actually need. So I challenge that pastor's daughter bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Abs- yeah, absolutely. And, and I was also, I, w- I will say I was, I was punchy and angry. It's like, this is not my job. Mm. I did not choose this. This isn't fair. Oh yeah. How much younger uh, are your, your brothers? Um, my, the one just under me would be about two and a half years younger. And then my youngest is uh, eight or nine years younger. Okay. So role of babysitter? A little bit, yeah. I mean, not not too much, actually. Oh, okay. I mean, a little, but not too much. I suppose that gap kind of puts you in a weird spot to where by the time you would really be doing that, your other brother is pretty much old enough to be able to to step in. And yeah, and I think since my mother, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. Oh, she was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when she wasn't ministering. When she wasn't ministering. <laughs> okay, I see, I see. Because mental health wasn't really talked about, no. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's still like kind of rocky. <laughs> but um, we're getting there. A little what bit. What was that like perceived as? Like, do you recall like um, when you would feel sad? Like, did depression even enter the vernacular? You know what I mean? Like, right? Um, no. And I was definitely I was suicidal. I was I was horribly depressed. But no, I yeah, I don't remember having any word to put to it. And, and my mother even went through, she, she read my diary mm. and told me about it and said, I, I, saw your, I saw that you said you want to commit suicide. You need to stop saying that. Oh. And that's how we, yeah. <laughs> okay. Not, not why. <laughs> Thanks, I'll stop. <laughs> Just knock it off. <laughs> yeah, that, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, uh, my, my mom was raised a, a very similar way. Uh, ultra Mormon household, um, like, parents her parents went through the great depression in idaho so like they were all farmers and so like you know it it was just very much um you need to grin and bear because nobody's gonna there's there's no extra hands we're all doing as much as we humanly humanly possible can withstand you know what i mean so like that, that, that's interesting phrasing that you would have because I find like that is the the overarching theme of my entire life is grin and bear it. No one's going to help you. You're on your own. Mm. Deal. Yeah. Shut, and shut up. No one cares. <laughs> but don't shut up. <laughs> um, so I mean, by the time you are um, in high school, uh, your relationship with your dad, 
Well, let's let's backtrack a little. My parents divorced when I was um, between 15 and 16. So, oh, okay. So my parents were together for my um, 10th grade year. And then we moved from Coon Rapids to um, South Minneapolis, which, if, you know, if you're not from from the Twin Cities, that might not mean much, but it's very <laughs> outer white, white, white suburb to, you know, inner city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, at this time, then, then my mother had gotten the prisoner out and he took over our lives. Oh, he moved in right away. You know, he never moved in. He was never living with us. Oh, no, no. But he had full access to us. Ugh. And um, she had bought a house in South Minneapolis from the equity she'd gotten from the divorce. Um, he had her sign off under duress, under gunpoint, had had her sign off on loans and tons of things, which she ended up having to pay. She never, never even got out of all those. Um, he, just, he just took over more and more to the point where he said, you know what? I want this house. You're moving to another one. And we just had to up and move. And I'm like, I'm like why? Well, he wants this. Well, I'm like, what the hell? Um, we, we had a, a piano. My mother was a piano player. And mm-hmm. she said, well, he's keeping the piano because he's going to buy me a baby grand piano. And, and, I'm, and I'm 16 years old going, that's not happening. <laughs> you realize that's not happening. And so, but yeah, by the time we got to the other house, that's when things went um, very, very south. So, but then my relationship with my father, my father wanted a new wife. And he, mm-hmm. and he, he really didn't care what happened to me. And, and he, before he died, he did apologize for that. He said, yeah, I abandoned you. I marginalized you. I, I didn't even think of you. No way. I mean, he did admit it. Wow. Um, I, I don't give a lot of credit to the man, but I will, I'll give him that. I mean, that feeling he, had to have been insane. You know, you, th- you think the confirmation might have been good, but man, it was like, that was a gut punch to be like, wow, you, you know it too. Well, that's a... You, I, you know it. Wow. It's more so the the um the recognition like it's it's not so much the that like now i i i realize that i i loved you i've always loved you and no, I, I didn't I was get a that ter- that's what i mean it's no like, no no that was never part of the conversation it's the the validation is just that you knew that it happened mm-hmm. and like because that gaslighting sensation or like what we now know is is being gaslighting. sure like, for, for most people that's your father your father loves you i'm like did you see what I'm experiencing here? <laughs> well, you know, but they, you know, they put it from the lens of their own loving father. And so they just can't compute, you know, yeah. what's happening to me. So we were hugely disconnected. When my parents first divorced, um, he would take me out now and then for dinner and spend the entire time talking about everything my mother did. Because when they divorced, um, she'd had an affair with, you know, the prisoner. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. that was big news. This was back in the um, Jim and Tammy Faye days. So, <laughs> I mean, this, you know, pastor's, pastor's wife, you know, is with, you know, not just a prisoner, a black one. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, and that, that made it even more juicy for yeah, them. Yeah. And, oh. and, and the church literally got off on it. I mean, this was this was amazing. Oh, okay. This is actually kind of sounding more familiar because you were hearing it, and then were people confronting you about? Oh, absolutely. It? Yeah, they would come right up to my face, and you know, when when we'd moved to South Minneapolis, they're like, "Oh, we heard your mother moved south. How is how is she in Texas?" I'm like, "She's not in Texas. She's in South Minneapolis. That's where you, where we live." You're living with her? I'm like, "Her? <laughs> Her's my mother." <laughs> what? And they're like, "Well, you know." And they said flat, flat out to my face, 16 years old, we heard that you were a prostitute and, and you're a coke addict. I'm like, um, I've never had sex and why don't you pick the drugs I'm on? <laughs> I can't afford coke. 
I mean, at least they were steering you in a career path where you didn't have to pay taxes. You could just... <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Ah. And and it's it's still amazing to me just how there there's no when it comes to being a pastor's child or just even in um I'll call it ministry or whatever you want to call it. Um there's no filter with you. People right. people feel like they have the right to say anything to you. Anything to you, anything about you, with you standing right there, you're you're an object. You you don't you don't exist. You don't you don't have any autonomy. I mean, yeah, you're you're property of the community. You absolutely are. And my, and my father made it his point to pretty much go door to door, telling everybody what was going on, no matter how detrimental it was to his children. And Holy somehow God. just with my, with me in the birth order, me as a person, me being the only girl, um, I, I got the worst of it and everybody admits that. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> okay. So when, um, so you're living in South Minneapolis mm-hmm. and you have moved a second time where you're yes. still in that area then? Um, yeah. Still in South Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because you can't be too far away from... Correct. And he needed to have, and I was told he needed to have access to us at all time. Yeah, of course. Um, he had keys, keys to the place and there was a screen door that had a little lock thing on it. And so I would lock the screen door and I was told you need to stop doing that because he can't get in. And I'm like, I'm still going to do it. Oh and so, God. and it became a huge, a huge issue. Um, I had a room upstairs and, and my mother had said at one point, no matter what you hear down there, don't come downstairs cause he'll kill you. Oh my and god! So, and I was hugely, hugely suicidal. That's a weird word. Um, I mean, th- I saw no hope at all. There was absolutely no hope for me as far as I was concerned. I remember we. Um, I mean, by my now, I'm in my junior year of high school. You're supposed to be okay. taking SATs. You're supposed to be thinking about college, and this is supposed to be the time of your life. And 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 my life was pure shit. I'm now on my, you know, I'm on my second high school. I don't know anybody. And I remember they said, you know, the SAT test will be, you know, Thursday or whatever, and it costs like fifteen bucks, ten or fifteen. It was, it was nothing. Okay. And I'm like, we can't afford that. Yeah, I was gonna say like that. Actually, when you're living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. everything comes into question, and especially because like, what was your mom doing for work then? She got some type of administrative um, role because okay. she did. She did have a college degree. In fact, she had her master's. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. She, my goodness. Yeah. And um, so she, she had some type of, you know, job, but it, was, it wasn't great. Okay. Um, so, you know, we had um, for dinner pretty much every night, it was cream of chicken soup and noodles. Well, okay. Actually, was, was she paying for the other house? God, I'm not even sure. Probably. Who knows? <clears throat> that would make more sense yeah, as we, to like why yeah, on, t- on top of that. We, we, yeah, we, but we had, we had nothing, nothing, nothing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely nothing. I, I started shoplifting, not for, my friends were shoplifting for fun. And I started doing it just because I didn't have things. But then yeah. being as I was brought up, I'd come home and cry and cry and cry and pray and pray and pray. I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but but we can't afford that. I mean, mm-hmm. like I was shoplifting underwear. You know, it wasn't even fun things. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, but <laughs> that's got to be such a trip to be like, to be watching friends do it as to like for a thrill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then being like, this is fun for you. 
And well, and with all of this, I never told anybody anything. Of course not. No one had any idea at all what was going on. I, I did not tell a soul a thing. And I mean, by the, the, the time that it kind of all had come to a head, so, so your brothers are with dad permanently then? My youngest, it was my youngest brother and me with my mother. My middle brother went with my father. And when they divorced, we all got to choose which parent. And if you made, if you made the wrong choice, me, <laughs> well, no, it wasn't the wrong choice. I just, I, I chose which one I thought would actually be nicer to me. That was, that was my choice. Oh, okay. And, and, but it was held against me. You, you didn't choose me. So my father held that against me along with everything, along with just everything else he held against me, just me as a person. Oh, of course. And so, yeah, that, that added to the list. So, yeah, we, so we're living there and, and the prisoner had to have access to us at all times. And um, I had determined I was going to kill him. I just and I, I figured I would die in the process. I did not care. So I had knives all over the house, under the couch, under under just everywhere. I had knives hidden because I'm, I'm when he comes in, I, I want to be able to grab my blade like I would even yeah. know what I'm doing. But, you know, um, well, I mean, you know, a lot of. Uh uh, horror movies like ba- especially like back in the 70s and the 80s was a little girl that got a hold of a knife and then you're done for yeah and I'm you know I was like uh, you know <laughs> I, I, I will I was thrilled with the idea of, of, of dying while killing him well yeah because it's the if, if I can't be free then neither can you yeah yeah so so ultimately what came down is um there was one night my mother had to go over to the other house, the first house, um, to get something from him. And, and I'm in the car with her, her and I looked up on, there's a long porch and I see him punch her and she flew, flew across the porch and she came, uh, I ran up screaming and, and my screaming got him to stop. Cause I'm standing out there just screaming like a crazy person, got her out of there. She runs the car and she was so scared as we're driving. My mother shit herself from fear. And, um, we knew we had to move. We, we had to, or we were, and we were running for our lives at this point. And so my father, um, he did have his Christian singles group come over and help us. Cause we moved within less than 24 hours. It was like eight hours. It was probably, it might've even been less than that. It was, it was barely a day. And we, and we just, and, um, and the, the sweet, you know, Christian ladies came over and packed our dishes and stuff, you know, things that, cause you know, when you're, we're throwing things in boxes, there's no thought of packing and, you know. So the, the, uh, desperation that your mom felt to, to say your father is. To even ask him for help. Yeah. 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 She, she, that had, that had been, and I never even thought about that. It had to have been really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. To ask him and, and to tell him what was happening. And I, I think that gives levity to like why he had people come and help you guys, because he, he must have grasped that too, to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, you and, must be in real trouble. And so as he, as they're moving things out, they're picking up furniture and they notice there's knives on under everything. <laughs> and my father said, he goes, why are there knives everywhere? And I said, cause I was going to kill him. And I remember just silence of him just staring at me and me staring at him like, cause I was going to kill him when, and I'd previously uh, had plans to kill myself before killing him. There was so mm-hmm. much death about to happen. Um, and I had the perfect, perfect date. 
I was going to do it between Thanksgiving and Christmas, or I thought it was the perfect date. <laughs> um, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, won't fall on a holiday, but I definitely needed to get out before the next year. I, I determined that. Oh, okay. I'd okay. packed boxes. I'd put notes as to who got what. I was very well organized. Here's my death date, and and and, and pretty happy about it. Well, then I look in my diary in January and see that I missed it. I was smoking so much weed. I forgot to kill myself and being having some minor Whoa. perfectionism issues. I got so mad. I'm like, what kind of loser forgets when to die? I'm like, you are the, you know, and, and I'm just berating myself you for not killing myself. Yeah. You are the biggest loser for forgetting when to kill yourself. And, and then, you know, in my head, I'm like, pick another date. No, no, I can't pick another date. I had the perfect date. Now I've got to live for another while until I can find a better date. And I was pissed. Uh, unpack the boxes I'm like mm. well I mean the 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 level of because your your self-worth is already almost non-existent there was and and then to pile on top of that the one thing that you would think you have control over you lost uh, yeah I, did. I, I mean that's yeah I could I could I could imagine how like the yeah just that helplessness and rage because I, I have nothing. I have control over nothing. Helplessness and rage. Oh, yeah. That there, there it is. Band name dibs. Hel- yeah. Helplessness and rage. I always said I wanted, if I ever started a band, I'd want to be called a bunch of fucking vegetables. <laughs> Just so I could go on stage and be like, what's up, Cleveland? We're a bunch of fucking vegetables. <laughs> um, but... To go okay, so this is before you guys had escaped that house. Before we, before we escaped, sim- I mean, we weren't we weren't we were barely there a year, or we were in that one probably just six months. So yeah, that all happened in six months. It, it was all pretty quick. So yeah, we we moved in. Oh, had I started? Yeah, I'd, I'd been. We moved in while I was still in school. So probably. I don't know September October something. I was supposed to die between November December. We get to January, and then we were moved out by summer. It was summer that we okay that everything finally exploded. Wow. I mean, so what was the the plan then? Like, did anybody contact the police, or was it just get away? And- just get away. There was no help from the police. In fact, if I remember right, I think my mother was concerned that he actually knew police and and. The, the the feeling. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember this show. This is going to show my age. It was called The Equalizer. Oh yeah, I, and we would. My mother and I would watch that show in tears because we're just like, "Where's our equalizer? Yeah, where's this guy that's going to come because there's nobody to help us?" And, and so, uh, we, oh yeah, we The Equalizer was just our our dream show. Just like, where's the equalizer? Shout out to Denzel Washington mm. for the <laughs> for the remake. Yes. And, um. But I mean, okay, that that is always a trip to me too. Is like, it's the the amount of generational trauma because of what was put on the females of history. Mm-hmm. Um, that narrative of we had to escape is so. It, it seems like it should be like impossible. Like it, like it just shouldn't happen. You shouldn't women shouldn't feel that they have no options but to escape their situation 
act like it didn't happen, almost create like a, a an entire new life. Yes. Because yes. of one person. Mm. There's this c- sea of community, but they are helpless against this one person. Yeah. And, and that's just so fucked up on so many levels. And yeah, I, I don't I don't think people talk about that aspect of things enough is to like y- yes. And like, then I found it looking back, I then went and I, I guess we'll say mirrored it. I, I there you know, I, I said I'd never be her and yet how many times was I her? You had to escape your own situations? Yes, multiple times. Fuck. See, that's again generational trauma. It it just sets you up for failure. Well, we've got the generational trauma, but then let's also add back in evangelical Christianity and and what's put on you for beliefs in that. Um, When I was um, 21, I I met this guy and, you know, I guess he was my boyfriend. Um, I was still a virgin, though nobody believed that. You know, everybody thought I I was doing everything when I was 13. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't. And because um, I was trying, because I was told you, you've got to love the person, you got to be married. But you know, if not, you know, fairy tale, you've got to love the first person you're with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, me and this guy were messing around, and I'm saying no, you know, stop, no, no, no. And he, you know, he did anyway. And I go afterwards, I go running to the bathroom, sobbing. Of course, sobbing. And he's laughing. I hear him screaming from the bedroom, laughing hysterically. You're not a virgin now. And it, it, <sighs> it didn't even occur, occur to me that that was rape because my mind, I disassociated, my mind could not handle it. And so I said, I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to make this work. I, I, I can't have the first person I was with, you know, I, I've got to make this work. And so I stayed with him. The, yeah, that paints a, an excellent picture of like the amount of um, responsibility that was put onto you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one thing that you're in charge of keeping safeguarded and sacred, rather than the fact that you were assaulted, right? You failed at being able to protect this thing. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, dude. Yeah. So yeah. So that. So it's like, what is your sexual history like? I'm like, oh, it did not start out good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, so I, 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 st- I stayed with him and, um, you know, it, it, of course, progressively got more and more abusive and, and he, you know, took over my life and um, in a very, again, brief periods of time. It's, it's, it's amazing how when you have that trauma, how quickly that can happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, the you. Um, what's that, that phrase? Um, stick, stick with what you know. Stick with what you know. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, um, you know, there's that joke that like, oh, I sure know how to pick them, like that whole thing. <laughs> but it's because the monster you know is safer than the, the danger that you don't or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. But yeah, it in a, and again, very quick amount of time. I, I got out quicker than probably most. Yeah, he became horribly abusive and, you know, um, would say to me on the regular, you know, you're the fattest, ugliest, you know, troll ever. No, you know, you should be grateful to me with me because no one will ever want you. Um, I want to backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. Because um, so you and your mom get away from. Uh, oh, yeah. From that guy. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like uh, there was. A, I'm, I'm curious. It's got to be a, one of two situations. 
you and your mom either got closer or she just wanted you to forget about everything that happened and just move forward? A little of both. A little of both. Because, Because when we, you know, escaped, I went to live with my father. My youngest brother went to live with my father. Um, my mother went to live with a friend. I mean, we, you know, I was living out of a suitcase. It was, but then living with my father, I'm now the only female in the household. So oh, some, yes, so that's su- right. So suddenly I'm expected to do female stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I'd be about to go out with my uh, friend and, and he'd say, well, you can't go out until you clean the shower. The shower that him and my brother have not cleaned for nine months I'm suddenly supposed to make this sparkling as I'm dressed up, ready to go out. And so full blown Cinderella. That's exactly what I, that's exactly <laughs> what I called myself too. I called myself Cinder Kim. It, it, no, it was. Yeah. And, and my friends even joked about it because they, you know, saw what was happening. And so my mother, you know, got her own place and she said, you know, do you want to live with me? Do you want to live with your father? And I go, I don't live with either of you, but I'm smart enough to know. I don't think I'd make it on the streets too well. Mm. So I've got to pick. I'm like, she was the lesser of two evils. At least with my mother, I wasn't going to be the maid. Mm. Okay. With my father, yes, there would have been, I mean, not that he had a ton of money, but I would have gotten school clothes. I didn't get that. I, you know, because mm. you know, we, we were so poor. If just, there was no school clothes shopping. There was no, there was no anything. I'm like, you know, at least I would have had a, a semi-regular existence of, you know, you could sign up for a play or, you know, or do, an, do there's no money for for school stuff. And, and though I probably could have got it from my father. I, I, I kind of, I don't know if it was out of anger or, or hurt or probably a combo of the both. Um, I never asked him for anything. And I was very, very militant about it. I will never, well, you, yeah. I, will, I will, you will, I owe you nothing. I, I was going to say absolutely nothing that being indebted to people like that is like, I, well, I'll go through anything to not have to be in, in your pocket. And I'm still like that. Mm. It is, I still, if it can, and people don't realize I do it. It's the smallest of things. We'll go out to dinner or something. They're like, oh, you know, I got it. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so kind. And I'm like, okay, I owe them thirty nine ninety five. You know, I mean, I will, I will keep the tally in my head at all times. Like I owe no one. Wow. It's not a good way to live. No, it's a, it's a, it's a miserable existence. Um, okay. So, so you stick it out with your mom. Um, yeah. So, so I go to, yeah, I go to live with mom and then, um, you know, seems like things are peaceful. Seems like, you know, we're, we're relatively safe. She meets another prisoner at church who actually knew the previous one. No. Yeah. And this guy is a hot nightmare. I mean, but he would come in and, and he was very, very loud and he was huge. He was, he was a terrifying presence and he would, um, but I'd be about to go out or something and he'd like throw me a 20, which 20 bucks was huge for me. Yeah. Huge. And I'm like, I hate his fucking guts, but I've got 20 bucks. I can get some cigs. I can, I, I, you know, I, I might even be able to get more than a coffee when I'm up all night at Ember smoking. You know, <laughs> like, wow, I might even get a muffin. You know, I mean, this was, woo. Yeah, man. Get a skillet. Yeah. Smoke oh, some ciggies. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, so I'm like, oh, I don't want to take this. I don't want to take this, but I've got nothing. Yeah. And, no, which that, that lends back to that whole oh, like feeling like you owe somebody something. Mm-hmm. So now because of this $20, I owe it to you to not to be 
decent to you. Right, right, right. When I want to tell you to fuck off. And so, you know, and then so she marries him. Oh, they did get married. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Mar- married him and I and I wasn't going to go. Wasn't going to go. And then my friend convinced me the day of the wedding. And, you know, I went, I sat in the front row with my arms crossed as I've done at all her weddings. Because <laughs> she's on number four. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And I like him. Of all of them. Okay. He's my favorite. I mean, it's it sucks that, like, there's this, you know, there's a generation that thinks that you have to be married in order to live together, in order mm-hmm. to, you know, buy certain things. Like, it's just this weird, you know, expectation that they have on themselves. And she had that. She had that. And I even said, um, after her third marriage, I'm like... Go do whatever you want to stop marrying people. Just because I was the one that always had to bail her out Mm-mm. when the marriage went south. Or I was, did I have to? Or I just, I was the one she came to. She didn't go to my brother's. It was always me. That's um very similar thing with my mother-in-law and my wife um, is because you have this shared ex- experience, you're the only one that understands. So you have to be there for me. It's mm. it's been you and me against everything so far, and and because you're female. Mm. Well, there's the female aspect. I'm 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 wondering is it is it you and me so much? I I felt like she you know she treated my brothers a ton better, and I felt like she just didn't want them to know. Well, yeah, that's what. I, so yeah. you you know that I know everything. <clears throat> yeah, that. So it's. Yeah, it's that um, it's trauma bonding, but it's it's the like in the trenches mentality. Yeah, like um, she's she's not going to have the same conversations with them as she will with you. Nope, nope. And because you know, I was you know, as I graduated high school, I I, I graduated at seventeen, and I walked off the stage to her saying, um, "Well, you have to pay pay rent now." I'm like, okay. You know, so I, I didn't even, I didn't consider college. I didn't, I, I went to three different high schools because you know, we had to move, you know, oh, right, right, right. three different times. And, and so I was one of those kids that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't bad enough to be noticed. Okay. I was just under the radar and no one actually really cared what was, what was going to happen to me. And I didn't, would, would I didn't, you say you made it through the wilderness? Somehow I made it through. Yeah, you made it through. <laughs> You know we're quoting like a virgin, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I made it through the wilderness. Yeah. Sorry. No. Um, <clears throat> the yeah. So that that whole um, you. It's not. It's not the way that I worded. I was. I was just thinking about it. <clears throat> the fact that it's it's you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a say in the matter. Nope, I didn't. Because you've seen behind the curtain, mm-hmm. because you've seen all this shit, you have to be the one that's there for me. And, the, and and those were those were almost her exact words. Yeah, you have to was told to me quite a few times because husband number two, crazy, violent, alcoholic. Um, you know, there was one time in particular. I I came home, and he had somehow wired up the door. My mother had you know again running for her life. And she goes to my friend's house. That, that was one thing my parents Whoa. did. You know, yeah, I'm like, why my friends? So I had I had nowhere to go because she would go there. And so this was pre-cell phone, pre-internet. You know, so I, I come home, the door is wired shut. And he goes, you're on the street. 
And so I'm I'm sobbing. There was a Denny's down the road. I go to the Denny's. Thankfully, my mother had enough forethought to call the Denny's because they there was nowhere for me to walk. I didn't have a car. Oh, there was nowhere for me. There was really nowhere for me to go. And she figured out that's probably the only place she can go. And she called them and said, you know, here's what she looks like. She's probably going to come in distraught. And so I walked in and thankfully there was a kind waitress. She's like, okay, your mother called. Here's where she's at. Someone's (sighs) coming to pick you up. There were a few kind people. And and I, you know, came, you know, I've I've got mascara streaks down my face. I I look like Dawn of the Dead. And, um, And so this would happen multiple times. She would have to run from him and... Um, she'd say, you have to, or, you know, you have to give me this, you have to give me money. Cause I, I was trying to save for college and, and knowing, you know, prices now it's, this is, it's so quaint. You know, I had like 200 bucks. I, you know, I didn't understand it, but I was trying, I really wanted to, you know, to, to do it. And, um, I would have to, you know, she goes, you have to give me everything. You have to, we have to get out. And I'd give her you know, my 200 bucks, you know, all I had, here's everything. And then she'd go back to him like, well, give me my money back. She's like, well, that's tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it would happen over and over again. Yeah. Um, it, it, it. Or we'd be, we'd be hiding. I remember like, you know, hiding on different floors of the apartment to see if he was there. He would steal her car. So then she couldn't get to work. I mean, it was. And I mean, according to the law, it's not stealing because you guys are married. You got it. So there's all of these shitty loopholes that make it so even if you did report something, right, it'd be like, well, well, I, and when I got to that Denny's, I tried to call the police on him, and they said he lives there. You're not on the lease, and you're over eighteen. You're an adult, so we don't have to help you at all. <sighs> when people say not all cops are bad, and you're like, well, I haven't really had too many good experiences. <laughs> yeah. They may not all be bad, but they're they're not all that great either. No, no, I'm <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the anger that you had to have felt because by the time you're done with school, what what am I going home to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was I was scared all the time. I, yeah, yeah, and and just and absolutely hopeless. I was complete. Life was survival. It was just a constant survival. And I still, to this day, have to say to myself out loud, you're no longer in survival. You're, you're no longer, it, that, that, that isn't happening anymore. So, I mean, I get it when, you know, the, the vets will talk about their PTSD and, you know, they still, you know, see the, you know, the, gun, oh, yeah. the guns behind the bush and this, because I'm, it's, it's still very much there. I mean, obviously, I have complex PTSD. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine the myriad of noises and smells and, and things mm. that, that would trigger that response. Smells are a big one for me. Yeah. 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 And, and my mother doesn't accept that. She said that was a long time ago, and you just need to stop whining about it. Because if she admits that something happened, then mm-hmm. she'll have to process her shit. Right. And... If she doesn't keep it buried, then she's gonna fucking lose it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. That's that. Uh, I don't know if confirmation bias is the right word, but like, where the the advice that they're giving you is reaffirmation for them, mm-hmm. so that they can maintain their san- sanity. And I think that's a huge part of our struggle. Is you know, she sees what what is what has happened to me, and 
um, to doesn't want to acknowledge it. And she absolutely doesn't. She's like, you know, it was a long time ago. You, you just need to let go of it. I'm like, well, first of all, my brain was still forming. You yeah. were a grown ass woman. I didn't realize technically uh, it isn't until 35 that it finally like stops. Right. Right. Growing. So these, these were still formative years. These were, yeah. you know, huge years. And, um, and, and it was one, another one of those things that there was, um, a movie D- divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood. I hate the name. It's, it's a great movie. I've God, heard I it. hate, Oh, I hate that name. And it was, it's the only movie I've gone to alone in my life. And I went and there's a scene in there where, I mean, the, the mother had mental illness and there's a scene in there where, um, she's talking to the fiance of her daughter and he goes, I don't get it. He goes, everything will be going fine. And she's always acting like the other shoe's going to drop. Mm. And the mother said, well, that's because it always did. And I just, and I started sobbing alone in the theater with my little Ziploc baggie of Oreos. <laughs> Dude, that moment when someone articulates your life, like a 10 year span of just bullshit. It said everything. Oh. It said everything. Why do you, why do you always act like the other shoe's going to drop? Because it always did. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, and I'm still very, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not the glasses half, you know, half full, you know, half empty. I'm like, it's completely empty and I'm dying right now and I can barely swallow. Yeah. And so when people are like, well, you know, it can always get better. I go, it can get so much fucking worse. You have no idea how much worse it can get. The faucet doesn't work. That glass drops. And now you don't even have anything to hold the water. Don't even have a glass. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, It's, uh, I remember, uh, when I saw the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, Mm -hmm. um, there's a line where he says, uh, how come people, uh, are always treating those with, or no, how come people want individuals with mental health issues to act like they don't have mental health issues? And Mm -hmm. that hit me so hard. I was like, Oh my God, that's like. For one, it's like what <clears throat> everybody's striving for, right? We go to therapy so that yeah. we can be functioning members of whatever. Um, and so we don't talk about our diagnosis or like people will just say, oh, I, I didn't have anxiety until I was 29 or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And like just not accepting what they were going through. But then that's their way of relating to you is... Yeah, so I asked my doctor about Xanax or I asked my yeah. doctor about whatever. And so they, they, all they do is take a pill and it's like, we're, we're not the same. Or you're hiding how you actually feel, yeah. which is why I, I will, codependency is part of it. But like the other reason why I, I vomit like all of the stuff that I, <laughs> that I have is because you're, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Like, I mean, my, my dad has massive anxiety. And my just just last week or no, actually, just like three days ago, uh, my brothers thought that my dad had like figured it out. And I'm like, no, he doesn't have it figured out. He's 62 and like still does this passive aggressive stuff because he doesn't know how to like actually deal with his anxiety. And unless we make it like like so loud it's the same thing like with human rights. Like people, certain people have to be loud until it's normalized. Yeah. Like people complain about, oh, I hate feminists. And it's like, 
there are millions of feminists and a small percentage of them are loud. Yeah. But if it weren't for those loud individuals, then the rest of, of these individuals wouldn't have the rights that they have or wouldn't have made progress. So like, And that's why I talk about the things I do. I know I've, I've had more than a few people. In fact, when we did the first podcast, some guy I was dating said, he's like, why would you, what? <laughs> you would share all that? You know, and you could tell it was like, I didn't want to know that. Like, and, and now you're just going to let people know. I'm like, you know, I feel a sense, I, I'm going to say obligation that I do have a bravery and to speak. And I know others don't. And I don't fault them for that. But because I am able to, I feel like I have to. I feel like I have to for those that can't. Yeah. People think that it's it's oversharing, but like when you've been awakened to the this struggle and you somehow survive to whatever extent, right. you look around and go, I hate knowing that you're going through the thing that I went through. Yes. And nobody is there telling you like like it is. And how you can get through it or, or if you're going to make, make it through it at all. Right. And I, and I had none of that. Yeah. There was nobody yeah. <laughs> telling me any of that. And so I, yeah, I, I do want to be that person. And even if it's, you know, I'm TMI, I'm an oversharer. I'm, you know, I'm, I was just thinking that people call us oversharers and stuff. And it's like, no, no, no. Like we unfortunately know too much now. And yeah. because of that, if we don't talk about this shit, the amount of people that come to me because of all of the loudness. Yes. Is yes, like yes. if if I've helped 10 people in my lifetime, fucking great because hopefully that means if they start a family, they're going to treat their kids in a way that sets them up for success. Right, they're going to break the cycle. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree. I I write a blog and it's an intensely Oh, that's right. intensely personal blog. And it's amazed me the number of people who will, you know, DM me privately. And I suppose a DM is always private. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's private until you read it out loud on a podcast. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and, but they will say, you know, thank you for saying that. No one has ever said that. And it's, it's what I felt all my life. And, and you're the only person to ever say it out loud. Thank, you know, thank you for having the courage. I don't have the courage. And I'm like, then that's why I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm also looking in this, you know, I'm a little bit of a nihilist. And a, you know, and oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I also have a sense of, you know, I don't care, especially every year I get older. I'm just like, I don't fucking care. I'm so close to death now, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like, what? what? <laughs> I'm, I'm flying on a rock through space. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Well, I mean, are like, you, you know, are you going to judge me? You're going to look down at me? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I've been so, baby, I've been so much worse. Look down on me. I don't care. Yeah. It, it's this. Yeah. I mean, people like feeling uncomfortable or it's, it's always a, a reflection on themselves. Like the second that you start to talk about a thing, they try to go, have I been through something sad? Have I been through? Mm -hmm. How did I deal with it? It wasn't that bad for me. Ah, you guys are just oversharing that. Yeah. There's like this self-reflective nature where, well, I mean, I guess as humans, we're always looking for patterns and trying to apply it to our lives. How does this fit into, always, always. Into, into my life? And if none of the things that we're saying fit in your life, then it's either going to be frustrating because you're like, well, that's not 
that didn't happen to me. There's no way. It can't be that bad. And I find that that's been a big thing for me, I'd say, just in the past year or so, is challenging people when they do that. You know, when they, when they will say, well, you know, I had that happen and I didn't feel, you know, sat in the other thing. I'm like, it wasn't the same. And I don't really care that you didn't feel that way. This yeah. is how I felt. Yeah. Just because your experience might have seemed similar in your head. So what? Well, you there, don't get to tell me how to feel. Yeah. There's, I was just going to say threshold is one of the, the biggest key components to it because, um, you know, I'll meet people who have gone through far worse than I've gone through and they didn't necessarily go like the traditional routes of getting help for their mental health stuff or their trauma, uh, things that they've been through. And for whatever reason, it just never hit that threshold for them. Mm -hmm. So they were able to keep their head above water and it, it didn't feel like they were losing themselves. So they were able to grow while this shit was going on at a, a pace that's quote unquote normal, right? So if your threshold is low though, because of what I think would be generational trauma, sure. that, that threshold is less and less, um, then it could be super small. Uh, when I was in treatment, there was a guy who was there. Uh, he was <laughs> His tipping point was... Um, I noticed I was I was spending less time with my kids, hmm. and I was like, at, at first I was like, "What the, f dude?" I I tried hanging myself in a closet because I thought that I would never right. get like, out of alcoholism. It's like, oh, that's wholesome, practically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, it's like a like a Mormon commercial. Like that's <laughs> your version of alcoholism. Yeah, that, that's rock bottom. Wow. <laughs> but the thing is, is like if his. If that's where his threshold was at, if the idea of family was so important to him that losing that component, who am I without that, broke him, then that's that's where his threshold was at. That, that's where, yeah. And I, there was an author years ago who um, wrote a book, and I mean, her life was horrifying beyond all words. And I wrote her and said. Um, and I was about like 20 or 21 now. So I'm, I'm, things were a little more stable, but you know, I, I hadn't dealt with anything and, mm. and I tried to shove it down when I read her book and said, okay, I, I just need to shut up about my shit. Cause I, I didn't look at how, how many people had it way, way worse than me. You know, it could have been so much worse. Could have been, oh my God, could have been way worse. And she wrote back to me and she said, yeah, on a worldly scale, mine was a 10 and maybe yours is a seven. She's like, but your seven is your 10. That's perfect. And I'm like, and it was, it was one of the most comforting, just like, it was my 10. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and she's like, you, you don't have to tone it down. You don't have to act like, ah, you know, I don't need to talk about this. You know, she goes, it was, that was your thing. You don't have to rationalize it and morph it for social norms. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of that for sure. I mean, the the, the whole um, starving children in Africa yeah. uh, uh, analogy that I yeah. throw out there is like, yeah, there are starving children in Africa, but you live in northern Minnesota, so it it's not the same experience. Like, no, I, it, absolutely, their thing is terrible, but that's not your life. And 
doing uh what like what aboutism stuff like what about the starving children in mm-hmm. Africa like that's that what what does that do for your mental health actually like the knowledge of that if anything is going to make you feel shittier make you feel shittier and make you shove down something that would probably be helpful to just feel and move through yeah for sure yeah and i mean i mean i would growing up i would hear shit like that all the time it's like the stuff that that my parents went through or the stuff that kids that they knew growing up, what they were going through, somehow the knowledge of that was going to make us be less of an asshole. Well, (laughs) and and most of those little cutesy sayings that we have out there are really just to stop conversation. Yeah. It's just, it's to shut you up. You know, the whole, you know, you know, you'll, you'll never get more than you can handle. You can, you know, you know, if you just stop looking, you'll find someone. You know, it's like there's no fact in any of this. Yeah, and but, it, but it, it's you're you're at that point. You're supposed to be shut down. And if that doesn't work, then that shock value stuff. I'm like just realizing it's fun. All like nine out of ten podcasts that I record, there's some little nugget that I like realize as I'm saying it out loud. But really, like shock value is supposed to knock you out of whatever thing mm-hmm. so the shock value of my parents telling me about uh you don't talk to strangers because one time uh our one of our neighbors kidnapped a baby sliced him open and stuffed drugs in him and tried to sew him back shut like that fucked up story is supposed to somehow make me just not talk to strangers mm-hmm. but really and now i'm like who someone's gonna fucking slice me up and try to bring me across the border what Right. What the fuck? You don't realize what I took from that. <laughs> yeah. Like you just like I was watching Power Rangers and you just popped in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And like we're like, what do you think about this? Yeah. Those Power Rangers, those the, those putty people are nothing compared to fucking Leatherface. Am I right? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> <laughs> like I guess. Yeah. Now I feel horrible though. All of that to say though, like all of this this threshold talk and and things. Unfortunately, be, because of the the time period and um, the learned experience and all of those things, like you still had to go. Like, how old were you when someone like like was finally like you? You, you don't have to keep doing this. You don't have to keep feeling this way. You, mm, you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd say I'd say it's still ongoing. Oh, when for was, sure. Wait, when was the first time? Wow, wow. I'm I'm struggling. I, I'm yeah. I'm assuming you know because you know I've I've been in therapy for a thousand years, so mm. I, you know I'm assuming someone said it at some point. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes we we just go through so much shit that we like kind of end up going in a circle. I forget how this analogy works, but like you go from being the victim to the protector. Mm-hmm. But it's for yourself. So mm-hmm. like you you skip the line and the person that you were waiting for to like give you to like validate you was yeah. you the whole time. I I would say I'm just coming into that at this ripe old age. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't find out about my shit until I was 33. Like, like honestly, finally understanding why I do almost all of the shit that I do. Um, I was 33 and then I went, oh, okay. 
I have all the info now. How do I stop being that way? And 33 years of being this fucking ADHD codependent fucker. (laughs) (laughs) How do you then go, how am I going to stop being this way? And I think talking about it to people and like, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, do you think that once you started to vocalize these things that you became your own advocate and the, the things that you were saying were reaffirming like, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you fucked up shit, but this is also for me to say like, I, I recognize this and I, I'm not using it as an excuse. Yes. And I would say writing my blog has been a, has been a huge part of that. And, um, it's called raw bleach. Rob Leach. And, and the way I got the name was um, I was at the, the hairdresser because I'm not a blonde. I'm not. I'm a, I, what? I'm a brunette. You're kidding me. My hair is darker than yours, actually. I know. I'm fucking with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I see your roots. <laughs> um, but I'm, you know, getting my hair bleached as I, as I do. And I just I'm talking to my hairdresser. and I've gone to her for a zillion years. And I go, I go, you know, remind me or she's putting a toner on. I go, remind me what a toner does. Tell me again. She goes, what just, it tones down that raw bleach look. Mm. And I was looking for a name. I go, there it is. There it is. Raw bleach, subtext, I'm not toning it down. Oh, wow. And and that has been, and I and I will even like read that right before I write a post. Because I'll find myself wanting to censor. I'll find myself wanting to... Oh, this might be this might be too much. This might, what will people say to me that might hurt me if I reveal this? What stupid ass comment am I going to get from it? Mm-hmm. And and I've been like, this is what. Come on, this is what you're doing. And besides other people's affirmations and confirmations of you know, thank you for saying that. You know, no no one said that before. Um, but yeah, it's very much for myself of here's why I do what I do. Here's how I'm trying to get out of it. Here is, you know, but this is where I'm at at this moment, but I'm, this is, I'm looking towards the light and, and, and I'm, I'm going through the process and I'm, I'm doing it out loud. Mm. I'm doing it out loud. Hell yeah. Did you ever establish boundaries with your mom? Oh, this is, uh, (laughs) have I ever, um, I wouldn't call it establishing boundaries so much as I'm just very, very distant. Mm, okay. I'm, I'm incredibly distant. She did some, besides all the past shit, like, you know, there was a while things were okay. Okay. Um, but then when my, fa- my father got Alzheimer's and things started getting really bad and um, he ended up disowning me. Yeah, two years before he died because, and part of it was part of the Alzheimer's, part of it was my... my that was on his bucket list? I, I probably was, <laughs> I, you know, and, and part of it was my evil stepmother. But I, you know, I made the the horrible, horrible statement of telling him he shouldn't drive. Okay. And he shouldn't. And admittedly, my other brothers would, you know, Dad, you know, we're, we're really concerned about this. You know, we just you know, care for your safety. And I was like, you should never drive again. I should take your keys right now. You are the worst driver on earth. And someone's going to die because of you. It's all going to be your fault. I mean, I'm, but again, how, who was I speaking like? Him. I was going to say, how do you reach this fucker? I'm, and, I'm speaking and, and, like, like him. He, in fact, he, he was in some, 
nursing home assisted living thing over um, over Christmas one year because you know things were starting to to go down. And so we, you know, we go up there for Christmas. I'm with my, my husband and son, and they're on either side of the bed, and I'm at the end staring right at him. And he's like, oh, hi, thank you so, for so much for coming. Merry Christmas. And then all of a sudden, he just turns to me, because somehow with his Alzheimer's, I became the target, the, the absolute target of him. And he goes, just randomly, you don't want me to drive. <laughs> and, he's, and, and, you know, it's Christmas. I probably could have said something kinder. And I see both my husband and son like, oh, fuck, here we go. I go, you're right. I don't. <laughs> and I'm actively working to make sure you never will again. Are your keys in this room? I'll take them right now. Uh, it's not that I don't want you to drive. It's just that I want other people to live. And so... And luckily, what worked it out is, I mean, I was calling the DMV. I was calling everywhere. It is hard to get to take someone's keys away. Oh, yeah. And especially, I had no one, my, my stepmother is enabling him. And I should also mention, um, he had, had um, one of his, his left, let's see, his right leg had to be amputated because of something years Whoa. ago. So he's driving with his left foot on top of it. <laughs> on top of Alzheimer's, on top of all this. And... Um, I'll see, I lost my point here. Um, oh, but I was contacting the DME, contacting all over, contacting his neurologist. Like, somebody has to help me here. It, take it away from him. Because <laughs> you know, my stepmother won't, my brothers won't, nobody's doing anything. And somehow I got a hold of something. They sent him a letter, and the letter just said, there's been a concern, we would like to test you again. Mm. In his Alzheimer's, he, read, he saw that and read that as, my license has been taken away. That's not what was said, but that's what he took. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I, I got disowned for it. But my mother, instead of, you know, saying, wow, that's horrible. Your father disowned you. She's like, well, you know how you talk. It, it, all, it all became, <laughs> came back to me. And she, be, and she decided in this weird, I don't know what was happening here. Oh, it was about her. It was about her ego of, you know, she goes, I just want to be a conduit for peace. And I, go, and I go, how about you be a conduit for shutting the fuck up and getting out of this? <laughs> Your voice is not needed here. So she, she started sticking up for him and not me. And um, it, it was harsh. It was. That, that goes back to that whole, if I admit to this aspect of your father, then I have to to deal with how he treated me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and I think, well, and there was an ego thing. I think after, you know, everybody knew about things that went on with her. So now she was coming off as, oh, I'm now a, a Reiki healer and I'm, you know, I'm enlightened above all of you. And so I'm just going to rise above all this and, and look at what I am doing, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you're making it worse. Mm. Um, so it, it's it's so, still something that you're working on then? Am I working on it or have <laughs> I just um, um I'm 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 pretty I'm not I'm probably not too nice. I'm not I'm not too nice. I don't talk to her. She reaches out to me. I only see her on holidays. She wants to be closer. She knows how angry I am. Uh-huh. And it's just um you know, we 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 banter at holidays. Okay. And she'll even say, you know, you've got something more to say, Kim? I'm like, I actually do. Thank thank you. Thank you for the opening. <laughs> I appreciate the floor from my <laughs> <Yeah>. colleague. <laughs> um, how, how old is your son? 23. Oh, wait. How many kids do you have? One. Just the one. Okay, okay. 
And um, <clears throat> one and done very, very purposefully. Hell yeah. Because, um, well, I first, I didn't want a girl. Right. Absolutely did not want a girl. Women are the worst. Well, I didn't want her to be me. <laughs> oh. and, and, and I knew my father would destroy her. Mm. I knew if I had a little girl, she would be like me. I'm like, I, I was destroyed. I can't have another human being destroyed. And so as I'm pregnant, I would rub my stomach every day saying, white chromosome, white chromosome, white chromosome. It's got to be a boy. It's got to be a boy. It's got to be a boy. Mm. And once I'm like, I've got my boy, I'm like, tie the tubes. We cannot risk there being a girl. We may, Guys, mission accomplished. Fucking. It's like, I wanted baby. I wanted, wanted one baby. I, I cannot risk this whatsoever. And my mother yeah. even said to me, you have to have another baby. You have to have a girl. You have to have the mother-daughter relationship. I go, I've had enough with you. I'm, I'm time <laughs> served. I don't need it again. Yeah. I mean, if, <clears throat> you know, if, if um, the goal of children is, you know, family and to contribute back to society rather than just this ego trip of look what I made. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful child, and then, then they're on the honor roll, and blah, blah, blah. Um, if the the real goal is to like make sure that you're putting out positivity into the world, um, I mean that that had to be fucking nerve wracking. I was seriously terrified about having a girl, terrified because I'm like he will he will destroy her. She will you know because I knew my my, my younger not my youngest brother, um, my middle brother he had a daughter. And of course, and, and, you know, he's the golden child. Of course, he gets the, the, the pretty cute little blonde girl who, you know, every, everything is wonderful. I'm like, that's not what I would have birthed. Ah. I know who I am. And, and he would have, uh, it would have killed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's being on edge in those situations. Because um, I've, I've seen, I mean, I was going to say I've seen my wife do it, but I've, seen it in millions of situations where where people are on edge it usually is on on the mother of because if your parents notice a lack of whatever it's got to be mom's fault mm-hmm. like even if they they won't say it out loud or if they if they don't think it's necessarily your fault for some reason it's your responsibility to hear it yeah because dad's not gonna make sure that it gets done. So I'm going to make sure that, you know, no. it's not on you, but, Oh, it's all on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was the only woman in my family to work and I had to work. Mm. And so, well, you know, so sorry that other people are raising your kids because none of them had to, had to do that. Oh, sure. And so I lived this martyr life of, you know, I nursed my son till he was 18 months and, you know, I'd have to get up at three in the morning to top him off before driving to some job at 4 a.m. And, you know, trying to do ev- I had to be everything possible because I've got someone else raising my baby. So when I'm with him, there can be nothing for me. I have to do everything for him. And did the at that time was the state not offering pumps? Oh, no, I still pumped, but I had to I had to pump at work. Oh, you, oh, 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 okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because I, I remember when... Uh, but no, the state the state offers those? Yeah. How nice. No, I did not have that. 
That, that, so that's what I was curious about is like... Oh, no. In fact, I was told that um, in order to go pump during work, I had to go into the janitor's closet. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> fucking so demoralizing yeah. to have to fucking do that. God damn. And being who I am, you know, I actually had a ton of trouble with nursing. But I'm like... I'm going to come back there and you're going to, and there, and there was a statute signed by Jesse Ventura. That was one of the good things he did, um, stating that you can't have her go in, in a, in a bathroom stall or in a, in a janitor's closet. You actually have to give a space. And so I'm like, I'm going back to work and I don't care if it takes me six hours to pump one drop. You're giving me a space and all you cunts are going to shut up. Yeah. so people are like you did it for the love of your child i'm like i did it because i'm just kind of a hardcore bitch that won't be told what to do (laughs) what i mean it's i I mean i could go on and on about like all of that shit (laughs) um but so the the things that you see in your in your son now that uh, is he living on his own lives on his own lives on his own yeah lives on his own he's 23 he has a roommate he um killed me he did not go to college okay and my entire focus from his birth was you're going to have the life i didn't have mm. I, I i i let go of any of any hope or happiness for me and everything was i'm gonna give you what i didn't have i brought okay. you into this world and i'm not just me like ah oh, too fucking bad i'm like no i'm gonna make sure you have what i didn't have and so that was and then none of it worked out well and i mean do do you still feel confident though in like he'll he'll find his way i hope so i know it's 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 tough to like i'll I'll say this he's you know he didn't go to college and and my my son he he has the the blessing and the curse of he's incredibly intelligent like like ridiculously so he was he was saying letters and numbers at at nine months old while changing his diaper. I mean, he was it, it, he's he's way smarter than me, and but because of that, he also has ADD and and mm. he has depression, and so you know he he went and took his ACT, ACT without um, without a tutor, without studying, pretty much just walked out, and he got a thirty six. Wow. And he started, you know, getting letters from Stanford and such. And he's like, I don't have the GPA for that. I'm like, no, but you have the mind. But he just didn't care. He couldn't, you know, he he couldn't turn in a a five-point homework assignment to save his life. Mm. And so we went to a community college for a little, and and he he was failing out of that, and I was paying for it. And I'm like, please just go back, and I'll pay this. And he's like, Mom, we know what's going to happen. Come on. We know what's going to happen not what I wanted yeah I mean but yeah it's tough to put that that trust in in your kids so so Willie Willie make it it's hard it's hard I'm very he's he has a lot of depression issues he's had some suicidal issues he knows I wake up every morning and the first thing I do every single morning is text him and he knows he has a certain amount of time to text me back before I'm now going to be oh. on Instagram and I'm going to be on Facebook and I'm going to be on Twitter. I'm like, where are you? And I'm going to be calling and calling and calling and calling. I'm like, I need to know he's alive. Yeah. I wake up every day and you need to know he's alive. But I will say this of him. He's one of the best human beings on earth. He's a fab human, human being. I've learned more about social justice, about feminism 
than from anybody than him. Well, that's awesome. He teaches me. He's a fantastic person. In fact, he even told my liberal ass that I'm not liberal enough. <laughs> it is weird when somebody checks you and you're like, I, I get yelled at by my parents for being as liberal as I am, but I'm st- that's not enough. He goes, yeah, he goes, you're yeah, not enough. He goes, I go, what? I go, I am so far left. He goes, yeah, he goes, but I'm a bit of a socialist. I go, so am I. He goes, yeah, not enough. <laughs> like, wow. Oh, man. I guess in terms of how you uh, cope on like a daily basis, like Kimberly right now, mm. um, what what are the, the things that you implement to try and um, calm yourself down or reassure yourself? Oh, goodness. I am. Um, well, I'm a yoga teacher on the side, so. If, if I'm if I'm in a good spot, I will remember to do you know certain breathing exercises. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm big on words. Words are very important to me. So you know if I see a good quote, I will have um, little post its all over creation of, <laughs> of of whatever I need to know at the moment. I I, I write. I journal. Um, of course, I'm I'm in therapy. I'm, I'm a therapist and a life coach. Oh. Because I need a little of everything. Yeah. My, my blog is very cathartic for me, yeah. um, doing that. But these are all good day things. On a bad day, I take way too many edibles and <laughs> and I pass out on my couch. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody's going to have um, their limit back to that whole threshold thing. But you at least recognize the fact that, like, I had a tough day and I... I just couldn't muster up my coping mechanisms to be able to to get through this. I just needed a, a nothing. And I'm getting better at reaching out, but not just reaching out to people, reaching out to safe people. Because ah. initially I was like, okay, you need to reach out. You need to reach out to somebody. But I wouldn't reach out to safe people. I'd reach out to people who would give me a cliche, who would shut down conversation, tell me it's not so bad. Yep, yep, yep. And so I've, I've learned um, who my support system is, who I can speak to, and they're not going to shut me off. That's, that's huge. I don't know that I've ever had that vocalized in that way. Like, I, I, I'll talk about, like, um, having a, a solid support system, mm-hmm. but that's a huge part of it. Like, somebody who can, like, trick you into thinking that you're, everything's fine isn't necessarily a good thing. And they, well, and they never do. So yeah, all it would all it would do it was it would shame me. Mm. It, it it wouldn't even be like oh you're right you're right things aren't so bad. Instead, I just felt shamed because the feelings are still there. Yeah, I'm still in turmoil. I'm still in a panic attack. I am still whatever it is. So I found my safe people who I can say when when they're like what's going on I'm like I'm panicking right now. Or, and I've I've even told them these are the signs to look for in me mm. because sometimes my mind doesn't get to that area of say it. So, you know, some, when, when you're in the panic or the, the anxiety or the, the trauma response or whatever it is, sometimes your mind, it, it, it's already too far gone to, to think, maybe I should call someone and have a happy conversation. Like I get really crazed about, you'll see these Facebook posts, you know, who are my 10 people, whatever. I'm like, really? <laughs> Really, or you know, if if you're if you're feeling sad and want to die, make sure you call me first. I'm like, you're the last person I call. Yeah. Oh my god, no. And and thing is, they don't understand when you're in that state. Your, your mind doesn't go to 
maybe I should call someone. You're, you're yeah, already no. down the rabbit hole. You need someone who, as I said, I, I, there are certain signs. You might even notice this as, as we're talking. Um, I'll start biting on my lip. Oh. And I'll do this little thing where, and it's, it's an anxiety response. Well, maybe I, I couldn't notice because the mic is covering your face. That's, that's good. And yeah, I'll do this little bunny thing and, and people <laughs> say like, and they'll start imitating me and I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I see. Okay. They're, they're like, you know, what's going on? Or I have, you know, I'll have a, a foot just twitching like a motherfucker. You know? Yeah. I, it's, I, I just made a post recently uh, because suicide keeps coming up um, in conversation and all these mm-hmm. things that I'm seeing. And yeah, that, that lack of understanding of when somebody really is at the end of their rope and like ready to, to jump off that ledge, like... They don't. They don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, it, it's, it's already, the last thing they want to do. Yeah, because now you're gonna fuck up my plans. Of yeah, because you're you are just a, sh- a short uh, short gap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in the the myriad of bullshit that I have to deal with on a daily basis, like I don't want your. If anything, it's just for you. You just want to feel better and be able to go to sleep, but I still have to live with me. Mm-hmm. So I know I don't want to fucking talk to you. No, no. In fact, yeah. When I, when, yeah. When, and the thoughts still come and, and I, and I, I read your post. That was, that was a fantastic one. And I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen the ones out there saying, you know, if all you have to live for is, is your dog or something, latch on to that. Yeah. Cause, and, and I thought about that. I thought about that as I, as I was coming here because I mean, the suicidal thoughts never I don't feel like they ever leave. No. I mean, they get, they get better. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm no longer packing boxes and planning dates. Right. But you know, the number of times where I'm just like, I should die. And I will freely admit right now, I keep myself alive for my son and my cat. I will, you know, I won't, I I won't do anything. I will not. I, I love them more than myself and I will keep myself alive for them. But yeah, if something were to happen to both of them, all bets are off. Oh, it's yeah. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah. That happens with me in, in sobriety. Well, suicide too, but like sobriety is just because people know that about me now. So like people ask like, um, you know, what the, the tough times are or like, what would you do if um, so-and-so died? And like, oh, full relapse. Mm-hmm. I don't, whatever, dude. Like I'm going to deal with tragedy however i deal with tragedy so i say that now but maybe i wouldn't i don't fucking know but i right. know that that's a very real possibility it, w- it would hit the top five for sure yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. like oh, what should i do but I, I always try to say like the same way that we don't get mad at <clears throat> somebody dying of cancer for losing that battle mm-hmm. mental health is the same thing yes because we're not genetically geared to want to end our own life. So if your mental health was um, in such disarray that that became the number one option, that's just an unfortunate side effect of the condition. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and, and I've had many a therapy session where she's like, how are things going today? I'm like, I want you to say before I say what I'm going to say that I'm not going to be put on a 72-hour cycle. <laughs> And then she's like, noted. I'm like, okay, here's what's happening. It's funny because I'm sure as she's saying, like right before she says noted, still going to do it if I have to, but noted. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so having, yeah, that, that 
small thing or I want to not want to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a, a small thing. Like wanting to force somebody to go from I'm suicidal to, oh, no, I have everything to live for. That's a, a huge step. So like just I just want to not want this thing. Yeah, I think is is the first like big step that you got to make. Like, I don't enjoy feeling this way, right? But it's also hard for me to ask for help. So I I want to get to a place where I want help from others. I'm trying to, you know, as you know, those talk about your mental health toolbox. You know, what are the mm-hmm. things you, you know you use? And I'm trying to take that out of the toolbox. Is like, there's an option. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yep. The, yeah, it's it's probably not in my toolbox. Probably like my tool belt. Tool belt. It's like it's a little too handy. You know, as Batman accidentally hits the suicide button. Ah, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> or it's like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, you've already shared so much, but um, it, advice that you have for individuals who um maybe question their self worth. Because that seems to be one thing that you've had to to overcome. It's constant. Yeah. It's constant. I think right now, I mean, yeah, I'll just say that. It's, it's, it's a process. There isn't, I can't imagine there's going to be a one and done. I'm sure there are some people that have had that. Good for them. Namaste. But, and as shall be the title of my autobiography, and then there's the rest of us. <laughs> um. I'm I'm working now on um, being my biggest cheerleader, being my biggest advocate, putting myself first. You know, why not put yourself first? Because and that's it's foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And, and and by each little act of saying, I'm worth it. I'm I'm worth whatever it is. Or you, you don't speak to me that way. Or. or or, yeah. I, or I'm not going to speak to me that way for for just this moment. I I I would call it micro movements. Ooh. And do you know who Sark is? I don't. She's um, she's kind of a funky, whimsical kind of writer, but n- not writing you know a long book. She just has little cutesy sayings that she'll put out there, and then she d- draws these colorful drawings. Her, her name is. Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy, I think that's what Sark stands for. Okay. Um, but she, I had read from her many years ago this thing called micro movements. And she said, you know, maybe you're a hoarder. And the thought of, you know, dealing with the whole, it's too big. It's just too big. Right. And she's like, so could tomorrow you just open the closet door? That's all you do. Nothing more. Just open it. Now you're done. And then maybe the next day you take one thing out. And then who knows? Maybe the next day, maybe you're able to deal with three. But that's okay. But it's just these micro things that'll get you a little closer. Yeah. And so, um, God, what was the question again about how to... How oh, to no, no, no. Like uh, finding your self-worth. Finding your self-worth. Um, I'd say it has to be an active step. It might, and it's a hard step. It's, it, you know, it, but I would say it has to be active, um, actions. And, you know, for me having, having post-its all over, having quotes all over, um, learning to make, make choices of, you know, if you're tired, rest, Mm. if you're hungry, eat, you know, basic self-care, learning who your safe people are. Look at the people around you. 
do they make you feel good? When, you know, I, I'd, that's a huge one that I had to get away from. There were friends that I realized, I'm like, when I leave, you know, we go out and we're going out frequently. And when I leave that interaction, I realize how down I am on myself. Mm. And like, you know, they are not support for me. In fact, they're, you know, I might have come there feeling kind of good and I'm leaving feeling bad. Look at how the people around you make you feel. Look at how your job makes you feel. Look at how your family makes you feel. Move towards what makes you feel good. That's fantastic. I I especially like the the concept of safe people versus just a support system. I, I'm going to try to verbalize that more often. Yeah. Are, are they safe? Because yeah. And you might, and you might find even, and thing is there are people that are unsafe for you. It doesn't mean they don't care for you. Right. It doesn't mean their intentions weren't good. It doesn't mean they're still not your friend. It's just, they are not safe for that aspect of your life yeah. and you need to stop including them in it. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I thank you again so much for being willing to do this again. Oh, thank and, you. And uh, uh, it helps me just just as enjoyable as it was the first time. Right. So, on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll definitely have to have you back on for for more of the the uh, culty side of things and and oh, all that. Part two gets even wilder. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much, and uh, to the listeners, be well to yourselves. <laughs>